Hello and welcome to our podcast, On Your Marks. My name is Peter and I am the leader of St Mark's Church in Jersey, a growing, friendly Anglican church in the centre of St Helier. We want to take the Bible apart and see what's really in there, going beyond the face value to dig a little deeper into certain topics. We will bring you fresh content every week and hope you get a lot out of listening. So, if you're ready, let's go. Well, hello to you, Ray. Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yes. Welcome to everyone listening. Um, it's been a couple of weeks now since you and I sat, because we had that random testimony last week after oh, Prisons yes. Week. Yes, that went well. Yeah, it went really well. The guy shared with complete honesty of transformation he'd seen in his life, and it was really encouraging had a lot of visitors from the prison service, probation service. Um, it was it was a really good service. Good. And this this conversation now, Ray, we've been anticipating for a few weeks. Yeah. So this is following our Sunday service um, last week, where we did a bit of a Q and A session around the topics of heaven and hell. Um, light, very easy subjects to talk about. <laughs> anyway, as probably expected kicked off a load of questions and some of which I didn't really manage to give enough time or energy to and so I'm going to bring them um, mm. today to, to unpick mm. a bit further. Um, before we sort of set off I just want to sort of explain what we're trying to do with these topics and what what we're not trying to do is answer all the questions on heaven and hell because as you've said a couple of weeks ago most of this will remain a mystery to us this side of the grave but what we are trying to do is to break down unhelpful images that people may have which can become um, or can form boundaries or barriers to people exploring faith so the main one which is kind of the thing that I alluded to on Sunday was the idea that heaven is like an eternal church service on a cloud and that hell is a subterranean torture chamber with a, a red devil and a poking stick and, and what I said on Sunday was in reality these are inadequate to what the Bible actually says and I would go further than inadequate personally and say they're distressingly unhelpful yes um, and really go back to the period of history when artists went ran wild with their extravagant depictions of a place of suffering mm. and um, it really doesn't run true to scripture and I think you've always got to start there you've got to recognize that in the Old Testament for instance the whole idea of hell is developing as is heaven the idea within scripture develops yes mm. i mean the one word we get in the old testament is sheol the place of shadows or of departed spirits or whatever um translated variously but it's not a developed theology um and it doesn't prepare people for the coming and the resurrection of Christ. And this is one of the problems that was met in the New Testament, that the Old Testament hadn't prepared for that. 
And therefore, we have to acknowledge that it's, it's a developing um, understanding through the scriptures. So that if you jump in at any one point in the scriptures, you'll, you might get yourself into a bit of a mess. Uh, That's a really important thing to know. I think it's important. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I, I must confirm, first of all, that I'm, I'm absolutely down the line in terms of my understanding of scripture. That this is the word of God, it cannot be right, wrong in any sense, it is utterly and totally reliable, I believe it with my whole heart, but I have to read it with certain pairs of spectacles. Um, I'm not somebody who carries a whole load of spectacles, I just have my bifocals, but, um, but I do, I mean I cannot read the Song of Solomon with the same pair of spectacles as I read 1 Kings or the Psalms. Yeah. They're, they're so different in their purpose, intention, content and emphases. And we, we have to approach scripture in that way so that we read them in the right way. And therefore, we, when we come to a subject as complex and as challenging mm. as hell, Sheol, Gehenna, Hades, whichever the, the, the latter grave, two are yeah. New Testament stuff, really. Um, and you have to understand it in the light of the context. And that, well, and our favourite our favorite saying, a text without a context is a pretext. Exactly. Yeah, here we <laughs> yeah. go again. Uh, but it's true, you see. Well, a question was kicked off. Let me, let me pose it. Yeah. Okay, so this was asked on Sunday. Is hell an actual place? Hell is an absence of a place, if you like. Um, and my understanding, along with great men like John Stott, um, who was what we would call an absolutist in terms of... Uh, sorry, an annihilist in terms of his understanding of life after death, um, was that... The, the word we often translate hell in the New Testament is Gehenna. And Gehenna was the, um, the title, the name given to the rubbish disposal unit outside Jerusalem, hmm. um, which was there to dispose of rubbish. Um, so the picture being presented to us is one of dis destruction. Um, it therefore... But, but bear in mind, it's using an analogy. It's not describing a place. Yes. And so what we have to accept is that though it is a process that takes place, that at death, it seems, if we are Christ's, we go to be with him. If we are not, we don't. Sadly, um, but the picture being given is one of destruction. In other words, annihilation, whatever. And that is what the New Testament seems to emphasize, I think. Because mm. a lot of images are used, um, Old Testament and New Testament, to talk about it, you know, fires of hell, um, 
you know, there being judgment and eternal fire, and mourning and, um, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth and, and all of this. So when you say a nihilist, um, talking about John Stott, so his understanding theologically, and you'd agree that it is a, to cease to exist. Correct. Rather than it's eternal. what you lose. what you lose. Rather than what is imposed upon you, in a sense. Yes. And I yeah. think that's by the grace of God, in a way. Yeah. So that he is not... I, I cannot see my God as establishing a, um, a situation whereby human beings made in the image of Christ are nonetheless bound to suffer torment for eternity. I cannot see that. Yeah, I, I struggle with that image as well completely. And, um, and I don't see any justification for it in Scripture. And, you know, verses like, you know, this is, we said at the beginning, the understanding of hell developed throughout, um, you know, over time. And as, yeah. but even in Malachi, you know, Malachi 4, verse 1, not a root or branch will be left to them. You know, or in, in Zephaniah chapter three verse eight, will be consumed by fire. Yeah, it's, it's so destruction. It's destruction. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and that and that, by the way, again, just bear in mind, is an image of a process. It doesn't actually describe the process. Um, the the closest we get is to to die. And death is terminal. Some of the words you used at the beginning, you said to describe, so you said um, Hades or Sheol? Sheol. Sheol is the Sheol. Old Testament, where they go down to the place of departed or go down into the ground. Um, it's translated variously right. in the Old Testament, but that's the dominant um, uh, Hebrew word that's used. Okay. But it's very short of a New Testament understanding. Yes. You see? Yeah, yeah. So we've, we've, by the New Testament, with the teaching of Christ, you have a total transformation in terms of his understanding of life after death. Yeah, because I was looking through um, times in the, in the New Testament, well, times where Jesus mentions the word hell, and pretty much every time it's Gehenna. And so it's this analogy of a yeah. process, is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Good, well, I think that's that question answered. Is there anything else you want to say about no, no, before we move on? Mm. Yeah? Okay, brilliant. Um, okay, next question. Um, <clears throat> I really, I sympathise with this question a lot. And I'll try and word it how the person worded it. They said, Nobel Peace Prize winners or people that establish charities that do immense good in this world, surely God reserves a special place for them in heaven. Yeah. That was, that was the question. Um, it's a question that has been asked in different ways of different, in relation to different people throughout history. Um, and basically saying, 
surely my place in heaven is related to my achievements on earth. Um, and that is not what the scriptures say. My place in heaven is determined by my relationship to Christ. Mm. And that is the one constant in the New Testament. And we need to hold firm to that. We need to bear in mind that there may be many who have been pioneers in areas of medicine, research and whatever, who b believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That case, see you later. Mm. Um, but we, I, I don't reach heaven and lay before God what I've achieved in any sense whatsoever. I come as a sinner desiring forgiveness and asking for entrance to heaven. How do we reconcile then people who I see have done amazing good who maybe have never heard the gospel? Paul in Romans addresses that in terms of look around you and see what God has done even there without perhaps having heard of Christ you have ample evidence for God's existence mm. that's one thing he says um, however running through the gospel is a responsibility laid upon the believers to share the truth of Christ and to do so universally um, and we carry a heavy responsibility there and where we as Christians are silent in our understanding and in our proclamation of this incredible news then we carry responsibility and it's an awesome mm. situation to find yourself in yeah so I turn it round and I say well, you've got the answer so many things bear on this. Somebody who becomes a Christian, and I mean, I've had somebody do this on me, who came to Christ and was dead within within a week. Wow. Um, yeah, look forward to sin. Yeah. I guess there's a there's a struggle where people. This is a struggle I've had, and I I spoke on Sunday to a few people afterwards where they maybe had it. They know people who've had a bad experience in church. Yes. You know, the church treated them badly. And so because of that, people are put off from attending church. Now, firstly, I'd say you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You know, you can have an active faith and God, you, you, it is good to be part of a church and that can be fulfilling. And it's what we're called to do. Um, but anyway, there's people who have been mistreated or who suffered and therefore that is stopping them. And... My response would be, well, I guess God is a just God and everybody has a fair opportunity. What, yeah. what would you say, Ray? I would say, first of all, that it's up to the church to get its act in order. Hmm. And don't be a discourager. Don't put people off. Don't 
manipulate people, don't damage people, love people in Christ. And there's the responsibility. It's no use sort of saying, well, God got it wrong by creating the church and putting people in an imperfect situation. Of course it's imperfect. Yeah. Um, but our responsibility is to grow in Christ. Yeah. So basically, in response to the question, <laughs> no, no, really. If we look at if we look at the, no, the gospel, it's, uh, no, it's, it's, if we look at the, yeah, it's not there. It's not there. No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as I'm talking, what I'm thinking is, if anyone listening, if, if you've got questions that lead from our questions, do do post them because I'd love to talk about it more. The final question <clears throat> is about heaven as a present reality. Mm-hmm. So someone, again, the wording I, I escapes me, but it was something along the lines of, can people experience heaven on earth today? And it, is that what it means to be born again? And, and along that those sort of lines, I guess, looking at Romans 6. Yeah. I, I, <coughs> my understanding has always been that we get tastes we, we we glimpse, we look through a glass darkly, we don't see it all, we can't... And, and there are huge gaps in our understanding of what heaven is actually like, what's going to happen there. Um, I'm perfectly happy sitting on a cloud playing my harp, because <laughs> I've never played one before. <laughs> um, but... Um, I, you know, I don't. I'm. I no idea, and I'm quite content that I've no idea. Yeah. And that adds to the excitement. I've no question whatsoever about the reality of it. Um, and, and there's no credit to me whatsoever. It's by the grace of God I am what I am. But uh, what we do is get glimpses. We glimpse reality, spiritual realities. We get answers to prayer. We we get, we communicate with God. There's so many things that are touches of what is really going to be fully revealed. It'll all be revealed to us when we go to glory. So in Romans six. Yes. Um, just, look, just one verse, verse 11. Um, or oh, actually, I'll, go, I'll do verse 10 and 11. This is talking about death to sin, right? So, for the death he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive in God, in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean then to be dead to sin? You know, are we experiencing heaven, mm-hmm. a bit of heaven, as you said, a taste of heaven, once we are alive in Christ. But you missed a bit out. Consider yourself. Yeah. In other words, count yourself. Mm. In Christ, it is as if. The reality is that I will continue a sinner till the end of my days. I'm not happy with that. And I'm working on it. Um, And I will continue to work on it. Yeah. But... There is in Paul this 
extraordinary battle royal going on in him. And if he was suffering from that, so inevitably were we, that he was aware of two things happening in the Paul that he knew. One was the demands of his fallen, broken flesh. The other was the demands of the Spirit. And he is recognising that these, are, these two conflicting approaches are battling away for his attention. And he has to say, he says, I put to death, therefore, I, I deal a death blow by denying sustenance to the fallen human nature. And I feed in every way I can the spiritual so that that grows and dominates and becomes strong and makes me more as Christ would have me be. And that's the picture he's trying to create for us. So I'm, are we in Romans 7 now? I've got Romans yeah. 7, verse 15. Can I just read a few verses? So we're starting at verse 15. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want um, what, that is keeping me going. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So there's, what is he meaning then by the sin that is within me that is doing it. That is the source of the temptation to feed the flesh. It's not blaming sin? No. no. Because sin is part of it. It's what he does. And if you blame sin, you blame yourself. So that's fine. Yeah. Because there, there have been some very unhelpful books written about righteousness... Oh and yes, alluding to the idea that we can, once we're born again, you can no longer sin. Yes, I mean that was the, as I understand it, that was the original emphasis um, of the Keswick Convention, for instance. Right, that um, it was born out of a holiness emphasis, so that once you are holy, you are holy. You know, you you don't fall into sin. Now, that is contrary to the gospel. And contrary to our experience. Yeah. And, and I think it's sense. unhelpful. Yeah. Because then people continue and, and fall yeah. and make mistakes and then think, well, maybe, maybe my faith is not real or yeah. something. Our children had uh, somebody with them who they referred to as Harry Hawk. Harry Hawk. Harry and Harry, Harry Hawk, um, was the one who, he, he did it. So that when they were accused of some misdemeanour, they always blamed Harry Hawk. As in Harry? Yeah, as in Harry. Harry, Harry Hawk. Hawk. It, it, was any, it could have been any name, but the, as youngsters, that's who they blamed. 
<laughs> all of them, three of them. Yeah, yeah, well, they had a conspiracy going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's this temptation to. I don't know. I didn't do it. It yeah. was Harry Hawke, and this is what people do with sin. Yeah, they will find a way to shift the blame and not accept it and therefore not deal with it and therefore not change and therefore not become Christ-like. And what you... It's its not a pretty sight, actually. People who promote themselves in that way. Mm. And not surprising, because it's contrary to what Scripture tells us. So your point on heaven, then, is... Heaven is a present reality. Heaven is a present reality. Um, I struggle somewhat. I, I mean, I read a very good book by the former Bishop of Durham um, on the new heaven and new earth. Mm. And there, there are and I, I actually landed up by being so confused that I thought, well, this is unhelpful. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I am assured in Scripture is the reality of heaven. It is where God is. That it's the initial entrance point um, takes me to judgment, and that won't be comfortable. But it was over quick. It's a bit like giving your tooth out, I suppose. <laughs> um, but but. It is nonetheless a reality. We are not given in Scripture enough clear... You've got loads of illustrative stuff, but nothing's sort of direct, real, very little, hmm. um, beyond that this is where God is, this is where the Holy of Holy is, This and this is where we will... Meet again. We'll meet again. It's what song is that? A beer and then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> not a hymn. <laughs> yeah, not really. So, um, so what yeah. would you want to say as a, a final or concluding message for people to take away heaven and hell? What is a helpful mindset to move forward in their walk of faith yeah. Yeah. with? Believe what the scriptures say about heaven. We'll stop there. It is your right in Christ to be where he is. We are going to meet him again. It's all about him. And that's the promise. Don't get worked up about hell. If you worked up, you're probably getting yourself further from heaven, I think, in mm. a way. Accept the reality of the promises of God. There is one way to heaven, and that is through Christ. We know that. Whether or not there are other ways, I don't... I'm not going to stipulate. Mm. But I do know what the scriptures say about in Christ, we have new life, which is eternal in nature, and hold on to that. And meanwhile, get on 
with the process of nurturing your walk with Christ, the spiritual emphases in your life that are fundamental to growth as a Christian, and give them all the opportunity you can. But don't allow yourself to become so introverted that that's all you're doing. There are so many challenges to ensure that others also have opportunity to hear and to know the way to heaven. Share it. No mm. question, share it. Thank you. What a great message. I appreciate your time, but I also appreciate how your, your constant, um, stronger than urging, uh, uh, imploring to me to return and to Scripture and to not depart or add and to infer. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Not at all. See you next yes, week. We do hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share with your friends on social media. And please do get in touch with any suggestions or comments you may have. Thanks for listening and see you next time.